Well, I have to say, I've never had any congregation stand for one of my sermons. <laughs> wow, guys, I tell you, that makes me want to preach on prophecy this morning. Um, that That's not what I prepared to preach, but uh, man, guys, thanks. Praise God. I mean, we could pray right now and go home. We've had church, and uh, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I was here today. I hope that you'll be able to say that <laughs> when we leave this morning. But uh, uh, like I said, I, I feel like this is my home away from home. I mean, Sammy is so kind to ask me to come and preach, and you're so kind to put up with me that we appreciate that, and, and we're glad you're here. We're going to try to get into the Word this morning. If you have your Bible, I'll invite you to find the book of Numbers, and we're going to park uh, chapters 13 and 14 this morning, a very familiar story. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about seeing with eyes of faith. You know, we, I think you're, you're obviously aware we all see things differently. Especially if you're married, you understand that. Um, you just don't see things like your spouse does. Um, you learn that very quickly after the honeymoon. That um, ladies see things different than guys. And um, sometimes we see things, you know, totally wrong. Um, most of the time... No, <laughs> but you know, uh, the way you see things affects a lot of the decisions you make and also affects the way you act and the way you conduct your life. Uh, you know, a person sees uh, things politically uh, different uh, than another. And, uh, you know, we can get in some heated debates about, uh, you know, how our country ought to be run, what decisions the politicians ought to be making. A lot of times, depending on the, the, the party that, you're, uh, that you support, it's going to cause you to see things one way or another. Um, policemen, when, they, uh, when they're doing research about uh, traffic accidents, they're, they're talking with all the witnesses, and they're writing down you know, what each witness had to say. Well, you would think there had been you know, six different wrecks because of the way the, the witnesses they, they saw it differently. Each one of them had a, a different view as to, to what had happened. And, you know, we all, we see things differently. We, we see, how we see things has a direct effect on our lives. I, I was reading about this, uh, this couple, young couple. They, they moved into a brand new neighborhood. And the next morning they were sitting at the breakfast table uh, enjoying some coffee together, and uh, the neighbor, this must have been an old-time story because she was actually hanging some laundry out on the line. Some of you do remember hanging laundry out on the line. And uh, the, the wife mentioned, she said, boy, she doesn't know how to do laundry. Look how, look how dingy her clothes are. And, uh, you know, every, every time that the, the woman was hanging, she'd say, well, maybe does she not know to use a little bleach or... Or, you know, who taught her? Does she need a new, new washing machine? And, uh, and finally, one morning, they sit down for coffee, and the, the neighbor was hanging some laundry out, and the woman said, Would you look at that? That laundry looks so good. I wonder who taught her how to do her laundry. And the husband says, Honey, I washed the windows this morning. <laughs> you know, listen, we think about that. Those are the kind of things that happen, but you know, a lot of times how you view things depends on how clear or how pure the lens through which you're looking is. 
when there are things in your life that, that shouldn't be there, it skews what you're seeing. That's what happened with the children of Israel. Uh, I want to take you there. It's, it's, in, it's in Numbers chapter 13. You're, you're familiar with this, but let me read the text to you, a little bit of what we're going to look at this morning. Um, in, in verse 17 of, of Numbers 13, the Word of God says this, beginning at verse 17, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up by way into the south, and go up to the mountains, and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, many or few, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And then I want to drop on down to verse 27, because now we get the report. It says, uh, And when they told him, they said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, that's a big word. I got that underlined in my Bible. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the ascendants, descendants of Anak, the giants, there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. I mean, here's the report. And it's not a good report. Things are not looking too good in the land. In the, in the events of the life of the nation of Israel, we see they have two choices. They get one bad report, and then, of course, the report from Caleb and Joshua. Verse 30, it says, And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. And the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So it's a choice. you got two guys saying, Man, it's not a big deal. This is a great place to go. It's almost, it makes me think of a deacon's meeting, doesn't it? And you tend to say, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. You know, what are we going to do? We, we, the, we, you know, we look at this thing two different ways. I guess the issue here is, are we going to see the problems of life with eyes of faith, with eyes of fear? Because it's going to make a lot of difference in how you respond to the problems that come your way. We can see the problems as something that has potential, or we can see the problem as something that's going to hurt, defeat, and destroy. We can see obstacles or opportunities. It's like the shoe salesman. Years and years and years ago, they sent a shoe salesman over to Africa thought they'd expand the business. And he sent a message back saying, I quit, I'm coming home. The people here don't wear shoes. They sent another guy over. He sent a message back saying, this is great. What an opportunity. 
Send me all the shoes you can. The people here don't, wear, don't have any shoes. One guy saw there was no opportunity. The other one saw there was opportunity. So I want us to look at this text this morning, and I want us to think about what it means to see with eyes of faith. Because there's a, the problem, there are several problems, actually, and let me point out some of these. There are some problems of not seeing with eyes of faith. When you don't look at things like, like God wants you to see it, you're going to miss opportunities. And I think the first thing that happens is, is we underestimate what God can do. That's what these guys did. When you look at the problem with the eyes of fear, it simply gets larger and you, as you look at it. In, uh, in Numbers chapter 17, and in, uh, and in verse 28 it says this, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's, I'm sorry, that was, that was uh, 13, not 17. They saw giant problems. You know what? Think about these people now. Where had these Israelites just come from? Egypt, right? What had God just done for them? He defeated Pharaoh. He parted the Red Sea. He brought them through on dry ground. He destroyed Pharaoh's armies. He's provided for them in the wilderness. They have not missed a meal since they've been out there. And now there's an opportunity to take the land that God had promised them. And they have forgotten how strong their God is. They've underestimated what God can do. He had demonstrated his power. Just like Jesus did with the disciples. You remember they were out one time, way out from Capernaum headquarters, in kind of the wilderness area there on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And the multitudes had gathered from little villages from far away, and finally Jesus says, Hey, these folks are hungry, disciples. Why don't you uh, why don't you feed them? You remember their response? You remember what they said? Lord, where will we get bread to feed such a multitude? They'd forgotten that they're walking with the miracle worker. And I think so many times when we're, when we're seeing things through the eyes of fear, when those problems come, and folks, they do. That's part of life. When we see with eyes of fear, we forget the power of the Lord we're walking with. Some of you are facing some health problems. I saw the prayer list this morning. And you can look at those problems with eyes of fear or eyes of faith. What is in your future? If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you're born again, if you're part of the family of God, if your sins have been forgiven, then what's in your future? Heaven. And we look at our health problems like it's, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I'm just so helpless now under these problems. No, I'm walking with a Savior who has prepared for me a heaven. Sometimes it's a problem with our mate. Sometimes we, we just don't get along. A lot of times it's because we don't see the problem the same way. Sometimes you just need to be able to lay it out on the table and look at it honestly and evaluate it. 
But no, instead, there's anger, and there's hurt feelings, and it's stuff that we carry with us instead of laying it aside. Have you forgotten who the designer of marriage is? Are you forgetting who it was that, that brought you together with that spouse? If the Lord was in that, is he not still in that? Can we not begin to look at our problems through eyes of faith instead of eyes of fear? And we underestimate what God can do. He said, oh, look, you know, the, the people in the land, they, they, they look at us and, and, and we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. And, and we just can't beat them. Have you ever wondered what the people in the land really was thinking about at this time? Can I show you? You got your Bible? Flip over just a few pages to the book of Joshua. And chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9. This is where the spies go in and, 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 and meet with Rahab. And she says to the men, I know what the Lord has, I know that the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us. And all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, which were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, when was that? Folks, that's back when the spies... We're going in the first time. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. And neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, He is God in heaven above and earth beneath. You see, those folks had the right perspective. They realized that Israel had a big God. And that big God could do big things. We sometimes forget we've got a big God. We lose that perspective. Man, their hearts, they were frightened of the Israelites. And these guys said, oh, we're we're like grasshoppers in in their eyes. No, man, we're like giants in their eyes. We've got a big God, and he's going to take care of the big problems. So I'd ask you this morning before we move on, what kind of problems are you facing? It doesn't matter how big the problem is, it's how big the God is that you serve. Is he bigger than the problem? I believe with all my heart he is. So the first thing that happens when you look with eyes of fear instead of eyes of faith is you underestimate what God can do. Then secondly is this. You underestimate what you can do. You know, we can do a lot more of times than we think we can. When you, when you view life's problems through eyes of fear, you feel insignificant. That's the way these guys had that. Poor self-image. Oh, we're, we're just grasshoppers. You know what the problem was? They had spent 400 years as slaves. They had a slave mentality. And a slave mentality says, we can't do anything. We've got to have a Pharaoh to take care of us. We've got to have a government in charge and all the programs to, to meet all of our needs so that, that we can, we'll be all right then. We were, we were a whole lot better off back, back in Egypt. We can't do anything. I'd suggest to you that 
most of us spent a portion of our lives with a slave mentality. That we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to an unregenerate nature. We were slaves to Satan. We were serving someone other than God. But then the freedom came. Then came Passover. The Lamb died for us. We're set free. God has turned us loose, but yet we're still trying to get over that old slave mentality. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, verse 17. You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How do they walk? In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Folks, that's the way we lived until we met Jesus. We can do a lot more than we think because we serve a God who is able. You know, there's a great verse in the Bible that says this, I can do almost anything through Christ who is my strength. Now, that's not what it said. Y'all got people shaking their head. No, no. What does it say? I can do all things. What's that include? All things. We can do a lot more than we think. You see, when the children of Israel refused to walk by faith and obey God, they failed. When we walk by sight, when we fail to obey God, we'll fail. So not only do we miss out on understanding what God can do and what we can do, what happens is we let the problem become the problem. Seeing through the eyes of faith causes us to see only the problem. Well, I mean, sorry, seeing through eyes of fear, not faith, through fear, because we're afraid of the problem. When we see that, it causes us to see the problem, not the blessing. They couldn't see the blessing of the land that they were going to go into. In Numbers 13, in verse 27, it says, They told him, we went into the land that you sent us to, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They had gone to the valley of Ishkal, and they picked one cluster of grapes. Now, we bought a cluster of grapes at the store the other day and carried it out in a little plastic bag. These guys had a cluster of grapes. They put it on a pole between two men, two grown men. They brought that plus cluster of grapes back. It took two guys to haul it. What's that tell you about the land? And they admitted it. This is a land that flows with milk and honey and look at the fruit. But we want to see the problem. See, two sets of people looked at the same set of circumstances and drew two different conclusions. One of them said, we can't go in. They said, we're not able, verse 31. And in verse 30, Caleb and Joshua said, let's go up, for we are well able. You see, folks, it wasn't the problem that was their problem. The problem is how they viewed their problem. And many times we don't look at our problems through eyes of faith. That we can trust God. Do you realize that God oftentimes designs problems to develop and nurture your faith and help you to trust Him and help you to grow? I had a good friend said to me one time, he said, Gene, 
when God fixes a fix to fix you. In other words, if God sees an area of my life that needs to be developed, an area of my life that needs to be strengthened, an area of my life where I need to learn to trust Him, an area of my life where I need to walk, learn to walk by faith, and God fixes a fix to fix that. And you fix the fix. So maybe it's a financial problem. Well, God, I'll just use my credit card. Or maybe a, a relational problem. I'll just ignore it. Maybe it'll go away. Or I'll just change churches instead of dealing with it. Or it could be any kind of problem. God has fixed this situation because he wants to do something in your life and give you an opportunity to trust him. And if you fix the fix yourself... Instead of trusting him in it, do you know what he does? Testimony. He fixes a bigger fix to fix you. Isn't it easier to learn it the first time? To learn to walk by faith then, to allow him to develop and grow you, to help you grow as a disciple of Christ? Yes. So your problem isn't your problem, it's how you see the problem. So I'd ask, what's the problem you're facing right now? And maybe I, I, I'm here today just to, to point, point you to this fact. God wants us to learn to walk by faith, not by fear. So what are the results? Well, we can very quickly see the results of seeing with the eyes of fear. First thing I see is the discouragement. Discouragement is a natural consequence when you feel the problem is greater than you are. Discouragement, depression, withdrawal. The very time you need to be with other believers, what do you do? I stay home. I'll drop out of Sunday school. I'll drop out of church. I'll just tough it out because things are tough. You know what the Israelites did? Look at verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1. So the congregation lifted their voices and cried, and the people wept all that night. They had a pity party. I want to tell you what, the devil is standing back in the back clapping his hands. Because that's exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to give up. Oh, I can't reach my neighbors for Christ. Oh, I, I, I can't reach my family for Christ. Oh, I can't. No, yes, I can. I can do all things through Christ. So we get discouraged, and then after discouragement comes discontentment. Verse 2, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, If we'd only died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. First they mourned, and then they murmured. You can, I'm going to tell you, you can put this down. That those people who feel like the greatest failures are the greatest critics. When someone doesn't feel good about themselves, they don't want anyone else to feel good about themselves. They want to infect everybody. And it happens. It affected the whole congregation of Israel. And it can affect the whole congregation in a church. They had an opportunity and they didn't take it, so they start blaming people. They play the blame game. They blamed the leadership. They blamed God. They blamed circumstances. Put this down. When you find a 
disgruntled, discouraged Christian, you can be certain they're not walking by faith. I don't want to be that person. When we don't walk with eyes of faith instead of eyes of fear, we get discouraged, we get discontented, and we get defeated. You can see their defeatist attitude there in verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Let's, Let's go back to the good old days down in Egypt. Boy, had they forgotten. Like a bunch of Baptists, they got short memories. They'd forgotten that they'd had to make bricks without straw. They'd forgotten that the Egyptians were killing their firstborn sons. They'd forgotten that they'd been oppressed all during that time, just barely surviving. You tell me that this situation makes things look so bad that Egypt looked good? But you know what? Some folks would rather remain in slavery than to take the risks of freedom. Are we going to find out what God can really do? Are we going to draw back in fear? I think there are a lot of churches that have never moved beyond a certain plateau. Why? Because they're afraid of what might happen. And I'll ask you again, how great is the God you walk with? Can we walk by faith? Can we look through the lens of Scripture and see the instruction God has for us and step out and trust Him? I believe we can. Those who will not see with eyes of of faith risk dying in defeat like these Israelites did. God said, your bodies are going to fall in the wilderness and I'll raise up a generation I can use. And I have visited churches where the thought come to my mind, and not, I'm not here, but in places I have been, my mind is God is just waiting on a generation in this church to die off so he can do something great. No one wants to pastor a church like that. This is one of the longest sermons I've ever preached here. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up. Last thing. So, how do we go about seeing with the eyes of faith? What does that mean? I mean, that, that sounds like a really neat little catchphrase, but what does it really mean? Well, you think about it, just, just for a moment. When you were born, God gave you capacities to function in the world. Things like, well, touch, taste, smell, hearing, seeing. Some of those are not working as well as they used to in some of our lives, but mostly there. But we had five functions to, to work in a world in which we live. Well, when you're born again, God gave you spiritual capacities to which you can understand and participate in the works of God. He gave you the Holy Spirit to live within you. He gave you enlightenment so that your eyes, you can read the Word of God and understand it. I know you've had the experience that I have. You'll read a text and you go like, Wow, I've never seen that before. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see something. You're walking and looking and trusting and growing as a child of God. That's what it means to to see with eyes of faith. Jesus said he taught in parables for that very reason. He taught in parables so that those who had a spiritual capacity could learn and grow. 
It's in Matthew 13, 13, if you want to look at it later. You see, there are things you cannot do in life apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it means to see with eyes of faith. There's a, there's a great story, and I won't take but a moment, but it's over in 2 Kings. You know the story, in fact, you've read it a bunch of times, but uh, it just reminds me of, of what I'm talking about here. In 2 Kings chapter, chapter 6, and uh, this is with, with Elisha and his servant. And uh, remember, Elisha is surrounded by enemies. And it said, the servant went to the man of God, arose early and went out, and there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what should we do? And he answered and said, Do not fear. (laughs) You might want to underline that. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that servant's going, this guy has lost it. He is bunkers. I saw that army. We don't have any help. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray you'll open his eyes. Help him to see by faith that he might see. And the Lord opened his eyes and the young man. And he saw and behold on the mountains were full of horses and chariots with fire all around Elijah. He's got a greater God than the enemies that stood against him. That's what it means to walk and live and function with eyes of faith. So how can we see? Well, first it starts out with this. It's a simple thing. It starts with a new birth. You see, if you've, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never been born again into God's family, you do not have eyes of faith. You, you can't function by faith. It starts with a relationship when you put your faith and trust in Christ and then you have a capacity to understand and participate in a spiritual world. And we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to hear what God says to us. The psalmist said, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things things out of thy law. That should be our prayer every day. God, help me to see what you're doing. Help me to understand these problems. Help me to apply your word to where this fits into my life. Help me to grow and develop as a believer. I want to walk by faith. I have a greater God than any problem I'll ever face. And then we've got to believe he can do what he says. I believe God is working in our lives taking care of us, providing things. We don't even see it most of the time. We just think it's a coincidence or wasn't it nice that that happened. But I want to tell you, if you know him and you serve him and he's walking with you day by day, there are things that are happening in your life that are truly the hand of God. You need to see that. And when problems come, I want to ask Is your problem greater than your God? It'll never happen. If we'll walk with eyes of faith. Let's pray together. Father, we believe that you want to do some great things in our lives. We believe you want us to to see and recognize and appreciate 
your goodness to us, the way you, you care for us, the way you protect us. There's so many things that we just write off as circumstance when truly it was the hand of God. I pray that, that you'll help your people as a part of this congregation to learn to walk with eyes of faith, looking to you to be the great God that you are. Help us to trust you in all these things. In my prayer in Jesus' name, amen.